Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Uh, it's Bledisloe Week. It's the week we all look forward to. Thanks for your company on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Joined this week by Stephen Hoyles. Halsey, welcome to you. Thank you, Nick. Boys, uh, how are we? Very, very well. Good to have you along, finally. Great to be here. Um, <laughs> J- Justin Marshall uh, will be joining us from uh, across the Dutch in uh, in just a moment. Uh, also with us, uh, a special guest for a fourth week in a row. <laughs> <laughs> He's a regular now. Andrew Swain, welcome to you. It's just because I'm in the office when you guys record the podcast, Correct. isn't it? Can you That's come the, the podcast? No, all right. Yeah, okay. Only one in at 9am on a Monday morning. That's correct, right. correct. It's a ghost town up there. <laughs> and uh, and Christy Doran, welcome along to you. Um, gents, it is a good week, isn't it? It's uh, it's that week of the year that you, you arrive with uh, with some hope every year. Oh, there's year always hope. after year after year. <laughs> there's always hope. But, but how much did it suck not being able to sit on the couch on Saturday night and watch some rugby? Yeah. Or on Friday night, for that matter. Very true. I actually tuned into Bill and Bowles, and you're talking about optimism, and Phil Wall was talking about, oh, I reckon, you know, the All Blacks are not nearly as good as they once were, and that, you know, you win in Perth, and then you go across and you win the, the first time since 86. Oh, so sounds easy. It's, 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 yeah. Done. Two weeks, it's done. <laughs> oh, it's funny, I've heard a few other Wallabies of, of past era say that over the last few weeks. I suppose they haven't... Been in the best of form, though, the All Blacks, you know. Like, they had a narrow win over Argentina away and then they had a draw against you South Africa. You just compare them from, what, four years ago and it looked the yeah. most menacing, greatest All Black side ever. But having said that, you think about four years ago, I think this was part of the conversation then, that they, they were kind of just building through. And even in the early pool stages at the, the World yep. Cup, they kind of just did enough. And you, know, you think about... Like, oh, are they as good? And then, bang. Yeah, there was People Dan Carter talking, chat. Yeah, Dan Carter, dropped. Kieran Reid, there was all that sort of chat, the same yeah. sort of things happening... This year they do that. They they manage player load really well. Yep. So then in last World Cup, I remember thinking Pocock and Hooper and Bernard Foley, they were playing like their thirtieth or thirty fourth game of the year. And I think mm. McCaw and Reed were sort of on about either fifteen to eighteen or twenty games. They're, they're managed so well throughout Super Rugby, and those guys, yeah, you don't you don't write those sort of blokes off. So they'll they'll. They'll come good. They're so, playing the perfect game of Texas Hold'em poker. Yeah, exactly. No one to hold them, no one to fold them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kenny Rogers. Yeah, that's song, right. Wouldn't yeah. it? Bloody good song if you put the lyrics down to that one day. Do you know, speaking, uh, speaking of Dan Carter, he was in town on Friday for, um, for in Sydney for the uh, Sydney Uni lunch and you should have seen the line-up after he'd finished to get things signed. I've never seen anything like it at, at a rugby lunch. It would have been 50 metres long from the middle of the room right down to the end of the room. It wasn't Dan just signing invoices for his <laughs> no, in uni. It was actual no, autographs. Okay. No. <laughs> Actually, Dan Carter, I don't know, this may be the case for uh, your respective partners as well, but Dan Carter is my wife's Hall pass. Really? Yes. Well, that's, that's Did you go up and get it signed, yes. Nick? <laughs> Sorry? Did you go up with a hall pass to get signed? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't join I that kept, line, did I you? Kept sending, I kept sending photos. <laughs> I kept sending photos to Same her. Same town. She, was, she was filthy. She was absolutely filthy. Yeah, no, he's so. good on the eye. My wife's always taken a liking to him, which yeah. I, I never appreciated that, so. No. Yeah. <laughs> You couldn't, could never understand it? <laughs> I couldn't understand it. I'd take a liking to him. <laughs> He's such a dreamboat. Wait, wait. Um, well, let's talk a bit of uh, Bledisloe, particularly the Wallabies, Halsey. Um, let's start with the balance of the back row. And uh, this has been a conversation all year. Um, last, last eight years, ten years. Well, that's right. But but particularly um, – Probably with since the, I retired, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, and what a loss it's been. <laughs> um, particularly with uh, the, the Hooper-Pocock 
combination. Can that happen again? And assuming that, that Poe at some stage before the end of the World Cup is going to be fit to play, um, how's it looking for you after a couple of test matches? Yeah, I don't think I don't think the Hooper and Pocock will be on the field together. Well, I don't think they'll start a test match together. Put it that way. I just I think with there's always going to be doubt with with Poe's injury now. So I think he's if they pick him and it looks like they will for this World Cup we're talking, I, there's going to be concerns in the back of their minds. So there's always going to have to be cover for him. And there's not too many other sort of specialist sevens in the squad. There's Pete Samu can cover that sort of role. He's pretty good on ball, but he's not in the squad. Liam Wright, he, you know, he wears number seven on his back a fair bit for the Reds, but he's not a traditional seven either. So he hasn't played a test match yet. Um, I think the back row at the moment, like I was I heard this, wonderful podcast last week and Rod Kafer said something similar and I, I didn't see a huge amount of Nosserani that justified him being the Wallaby number eight through in the Super Rugby. I thought McCaffrey was, you know, the form number eight. I, I thought um, Pete Samu was good enough to start at number eight. But Nosserani, like, Czech's been a fan for a long time and he's he's justified his selection. So he's done well. Always thought Lukan Salakai Lotto was more of a second row trying to learn how to play back row and I always think test rugby is not the place to learn how to play back row but what he's done really well Lucan is he's changed his body shape and he gets around the park like a number six now so he's a he looks like he's a comfortable number six so is he doing enough at number six no I don't, I don't necessarily it depends what you want as a number six like if you've got like a Hooper Pocock type sort of high work rate then no but he's got quality and he can bend the line and he can and he can offload and he's a line-out option. So he's he's improving, that's for sure. He hits a lot of rucks as well, doesn't yep. he, Hoylesy? Like, you, you go through ruck stats and yep. he does a lot of those, sort of that work that you don't see. Yeah, and, and you've got to remember, like, Luke Hunter, he walked into the Waratahs as a kid six years ago or five years ago now, and he was like Will Skelton size. Like, he was about 140, 150 Eating kilos. buckets of KFC, I think. Mate, he was huge. So he's trimmed down to put himself in a frame where he's actually looks like a, a really good number six now. So... He'll get better and better as time goes on. It's I, I don't know, Nick. Like, who are your other suggestions? I, I personally would love to see Pete Samu in the mix. This is what I was getting to. Yeah. What, why? What? What's happened to Pete Samu? Well, Lockie McCaffrey again. Like, obviously, for you know, I, and I can understand why they don't pick McCaffrey. I played a similar style of footy, and I, knew, I just knew that some coaches liked it, some coaches didn't. There's always the perception you're not big enough for Test rugby, and we probably, you know, like you need to have a massive tight five if you can carry a. Lockie McCaffrey, so I get that. But Pete Samu, like, he's still a very dynamic ball runner. He had a hamstring injury in the last round of the – or the missed the semi of the, the, the Brumbies in Super Rugby. But I thought his form in the two or three weeks leading up to that was almost an automatic pick, whether it be six or eight. I thought Samu's walking into this test team. If we agree that we're happy with Salakai Loto at six and Nasrani at eight and, and if Hooper is your seven, the, the, the makeup of the bench becomes pretty interesting. And, and, you know, the bench replacements in the front row were brilliant yep. against Argentina. And we knew that would be the case. Yeah, yeah. With Slipper, with CEO coming back, it just strengthens the, the, the makeup of the, the squad. But... If you're looking at Rob Simmons and Luke Jones, they're quite similar players. And and if something happens to, to Hooper, who who do you there put at seven? There's no real person on the on the on the on the pilfering side, on the on ball side. So where would you you see someone coming onto the bench potentially? If I'm picking my bench second rowers, um, and Adam Coleman will be back soon, and I think he'll probably benefit from some time on the bench because I actually think on form Arnold's overtaking him anyway. He's had a lot of injuries mm. this year, Coleman, and he's a quality player. But he's a player that would get a bit pissed off if he was on the bench because of where he finished last year with the Wallabies. So I think a couple of games on the bench for Coleman will 
will one let him come back from the injuries carrying, but he'll fire him right up. And on the bench, I can't I can't carry Luke Jones on my Wallaby bench in the back row just because he's not a specialist six, he's not a specialist seven eight, he's not a specialist four five. He's he's cover, but I just think. You've got to have someone like it. Absolutely, like you'd be mad not to have Pete Sam on the bench. Well, the current squad, it's shaping like it's going to have to be a six or an eight or a right that comes onto it. So, who who, who would you suggest? Is Rob Valentini still? Yeah, in the I'd squad? like to see Rob Valentini. But again, like you don't want to have too many debutants in a World Cup year. Like mm-hmm. if you're gonna, it was going to be Nasserani or Valentini, and you kind of had to pick one and and give him a few weeks. I just don't know if Valentini is the guy, like he was really good at the back in the Super mm-hmm. Rugby. But I don't know when there's two, three tests to go before a World Cup. Is that when you want to be throwing them in against the, the All Blacks f- for their debut? I'm not sure. And Jack Dempsey's now looking like he's hurt his shoulder in club footy a couple of weeks ago. He just yeah. hasn't been able to put games together. So I think if you asked them 12 months ago what their back row would have been, like Dempsey would have featured in that heavily. Mm. He just hasn't been able to play enough footy to, and he's not fit to, to be selected at the moment. So I, I still think it's – they've done pretty well in the first two tests considering – I don't think they knew who it was going to be eight weeks ago. Mm. Tight five seems to be a bit of a lock at the moment. Like you, your tight five is pretty well locked in with Rodder and Arnold in the second row, you know, and, and then the front row. There's a talk about a lot of changes in uh, in this next Wallabies team. So will we see them in the back line? Yeah, again, I don't. I, I'd like to see, you know, Leo Leofano did well against the um, the Pumas, but. We want to see him play against the All Blacks to 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 see who our number ten is going to be. Your best j- test will always be up against New Zealand. So I'm not sure if I, if there's going to. I don't think there should be too many changes. I know they've still got to work out the best combination. Then both nines have had really good games, but mm. um, I'd like to probably see him stick with what worked last weekend. To be honest, centers. I mean, yeah, I think I think the centers with Samu and Tavita, like they're probably the two that are. Almost that, that twelve and thirteen jerseys theirs for the whole year. I reckon. You're right with. Uh, I'm not dissing Tavita at, at all because clearly, you know, his Super Rugby form demanded that he be picked. But he's been very quiet the first two Test matches. Yeah, but the th- thing with being quiet at thirteen, that's not necessarily the thirteen's problem. That's more of the team's ability to get the ball to him and get him into play and winning more ball at the back of the line out will help. And and he played at the Brumbies when he was he was the dominant centre. You know, so the plan would have been around getting the ball to Tavita. When you go into a Wallab- sorry, at the Brumbies, he was the, the dominant centre. You go into the, the Wallabies and, you know, the dominant centre of the Super Rugby was Samu. So the, the game plan has to probably revolve around Samu a little bit more. I don't know who your other 13 suggestions. Like, what well, do we Jordan, think? Jordan Patea. Yeah. Yeah, the, the big thing with Jordan Patea is we saw two years ago with Samu Karevi when he was rushed back to play at 13 and he was exposed at the Olympic Park. Um, wasn't nearly fit enough. And even last year with Hoops when he came back from his hamstring, probably wasn't quite fit enough for those first couple of tests either. So, I've got no problem with Patea. I actually, yeah. I'd be really excited if Patea got picked at 13, but I just don't think – I think Tavita Kundrani, if you're still picking your, your best possible 15 for the World Cup, he, he would be my 13, absolutely. But I'd love to see Patea get a go and see how he goes because we've got to get the balance of that squad right. The other thing that Michael Hooper was briefly asked about yesterday, and I think someone questioned his ability on the on the breakdown, and and he just you know pushed that to the side. But then I think I think you mean the attacking breakdown, and that's been one of the problems with the Wallabies even these first couple of tests. How does how do the Wallabies um, get better around the park on their attacking ball? Are you saying that they've been playing off slow ball too often? Is well, just the, like losing clean outs, basically, being a little bit slow to, to the, the breakdown. Yeah, like the onus is always on the ball carrier, though. Like 
the first supporting player, I don't think you'll find like the Wallabies are late there. Like in this day and age, you, you can't accept them on being late to the breakdown because that's inexcusable. So what you've got to then realise is or you've got to look at the ball carrier and just seeing how well, how they're going. Are they running directly at someone? Are they getting at shoulders? Are they getting shoulders? Are they running at gaps and getting shoulders through contact? Uh, groundwork's massive in, in rugby this day and age. Like your ability to fight whilst tackled and get the ball back and, you know, like, you can have a poor carry and you can get smashed and you can be behind the advantage line. But if you manage to work hard and get a good long place, then it's still quick ball. So I reckon the onus on all that will always be the ball carrier. And, and you know what? Like, I think if you look at the forward pack in particular, like the tight five, that's probably where our strengths are. Like our, mm. our, our front row can all carry. Rory Arnold, for a guy as tall as he is, same as Brady Retallick, tall guys, it's not easy to get like post-contact metres, but they do it. Like he does it so often. So... I don't know. And again, like, it's very easy to say, oh, we're getting slow ball. What's the number seven doing? We're not getting enough turnovers. What's the number seven doing? It's completely different. It's everyone's responsibility, but mm. the onus on quick ball generally relies on the ball carrier. Um, a couple of things. I sat and watched back through the Eden Park game from last year, Halsey, and we were over there. Why did you do it to yourself, Nick? I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted, to, I just wanted to see whether we'd progressed in yeah. in areas from that, that's that game a little bit like year. watching a wedding video of an ex-wife or something like <laughs> yes. i don't know why you'd bother doing that but anyway it was um it was uh, Bowden barrett if you watch it congratulations <laughs> in four tries um <sighs> if uh if you think 12 months ago and you were there Halsey, and i was watching the post game and, and the things that really hurt us that night um we got turned over a, a lot uh, and also uh got caught one out in defense i think you described it as individuals trying to solve the situation on their own without staying connected in defence. Can you uh, give us your appraisal as to whether we've developed in those areas over 12 months? Well, uh, that game in particular, we got burnt so often from turnover, didn't we? It was almost really like – and every time something happened, you know, one, I remember in particular like the f- blokes like Scotty CEO and like the props were almost trying to solve a problem out wide. They felt like they were isolated so they were jamming in from the outside. So – we haven't really come up against this team that's Done blitzed same, us from yeah. the length of field. So it is difficult to say if we've improved on that. But I go to Super Rugby and I don't see any of those things happening this year. Like I sort of saw a really nice, and I'm thinking Brumbies in particular, like a very stable defensive line. The Waratahs defence, there was no problem with that this year. But at test level, it's it's more how you handle that in the – you handle those uh, – the mental moments because when you're under pressure and you want to do the right thing by your country and you see that there's a – three on two coming your way, you know that you should be holding and waiting and buying yourself time, but instinct says, i just got to rush up here and try and solve it. I've got to do something that's going to make everyone happy in my team. But sometimes less is best in the defensive line. And until we come up against the All Blacks again, I really, like the first two tests, we were we didn't play that well in South Africa. We bombed two tries. It would have really mm. helped us. We were pretty gutsy against Argentina. The scrum was phenomenal, but... I really don't, and I've always, as a Wallaby fan, it's not until you play the All Blacks up first test that you really work out where we're at. The best thing about it is we haven't played the All Blacks up first. We've had two tests this year to get ourselves mm. ready to play the All Blacks, yep. so that might help us. The, the loss of Brody Retallick, uh, how significant would you say that is for the All Blacks? Well, he's the best lock in the world, isn't he? Do we all agree on that? I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he's phenomenal for the, you know, like what he does attacking defensive lineouts, but just his work on the ground, like his his defensive ruck work, like he can steal a football like a you know, like an on baller. He gets I just mentioned it before, he gets really tough meters in, in contact. I th- I just think he's a yeah, he's truly a world class lock. So anytime you lose a world class player, you know, it, it hurts. They've got cover over there. There's there's no 
there's no issue with depth. But I think Scott Barrett's back from his finger injury, isn't he? They, they named him in the squad. And he, he hasn't had a bad game in an All Blacks jersey either, Scott Barrett. So, um, But I do think you're missing a world-class player. Like you, You're going to miss him at some stage, yeah. So Vafafita is probably in the mix there as well. There's a bit of talk about Kieran Reid to six, Artie to say Vea maybe coming in at eight. So it's kind of interesting that whilst we're not talking about the pooper combination, that they might be going with two more traditional, more two seven options. I was going to say, how do you leave Artie Severe out of out of All Blacks team at the moment, given how well he's playing? Well, yeah, at the start of the year when Sam Kane was injured, you just and no one really knew where Sam Kane's injury mm. was because mm. it was you know neck. It was almost Korean. Yeah, everyone was a bit worried about it, but he's come back and shown us why he's you know yeah a, a world class player as well. So um, yeah, I, I it's it's interesting because like, do you want to get do you want to have Severe come on for the last 30, 35 minutes and tear a game apart? Or do you just throw him out there and I, I probably think he's earned the right to get himself a start and, and Kieran Reed, anyone who can play six can play eight as well. And that number six has been the position at the start of the year where I think publicly Steve Hansen came out and said, like, we, we need someone to stand up and take that number six jersey. And there's been a few players that have done well. Liam Squire is not in the squad at the moment for, mm. I think it's personal reasons. So no one is really, Shannon Frizzell, um, yeah, he's not well, there. Well, exactly. No. So there's all these players that we kind of thought might be in that jersey, but so therefore, you think what's the next best solution? If you can get Artie Severe on the field in, for eighty minutes a game, well, teams are going to be worried about him. Yeah. Mm. So just to um, to bring it all together, um, you obviously believe Australia can win the game. Yeah. What, I d- I d- what, why do you believe? So the difference with the team this year, Nick, and and last year, and and forgetting all of the sort of stuff we mentioned about Eden Park, I think we've got a scrum that can actually, you know, get us out of our own end of the field at the exactly how the Brumbies did it. Like, we got five or six penalties against the Pumas mm. at scrum time. Like, that's remarkable. So, I think if you, you've really got to look at your strengths of the team, you've got to play around that. And our strengths of the team will probably be our, our scrum. And if we can get our, our driving more sort of working Brumbies, then that would be handy as well. So, I think that's the strength of ours. We've got to actually start to play to that a little bit more. We've got to understand when our moments to play are, when our moments to play territory. And I actually think we've probably got to be a bit more of a territory team this year. You think we've got a great scrum and we've got some really strong midfield runners. So that's why, you know, the number 10's role will be so important, how they kick for territory and how they feed Samu and Tavita and the the midfield. Um, Don't ever say like a conservative style of footy because it's not how Australia play, but I just think we've got to play to our strengths and that will be... Well, World Cups are generally based more around that anyway, aren't they? Well, they normally are. Like the one in London, though, the conditions in 2015 were, were perfect for running footy and that probably helped us at the time with that team. But I don't remember a side that, you know, like has ever got five or six penalties at scrum time in the Wallabies in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years. I can't remember a side 12 years, probably longer. So I think that's the strength of ours. And if we can if we can have that sort of dominance against New Zealand, interesting that the All Blacks have picked what they think are their best mobile running props so they haven't necessarily picked their best scrummaging props well that was the feedback that came out of a couple of selections this week so you know I think the Wallabies pack if they can do what they did to the Pumas then I think we're in a really good position to start to you know just apply a little bit more pressure and and, and play to our strengths a bit more which I think is our midfield the more that you say that the the the, the more that you describe um the way that the Wallabies should play it, it sort of points to Christian Liliofano retaining that 10 jersey doesn't it yeah but I, I don't I don't see a difference I don't see Christian or Bernard having a superior kicking game like where they're, they're both got good kicking games but they're not excellent kickers of the footy like they're mm. both better runners and I, I think the person who who wears that number 10 jersey almost just needs to underplay their hand a little bit like just be a person who organizes and orchestrates 
Um, you don't have to have a, a Bowden Barrett or a, a Stephen Larkham or a Mark Geller approach the game. You don't have to be the star. Your job is to allow the people outside you to really fire and get the ball to Tavita Kurandrani and Samu Krevi as much as possible because they're going to give us metres and then just start to play territory a little bit more and, and, and let our scrum sort of get ourselves into the game and yeah, just not just not risking play for the sake of it from the wrong end of the field. It's going to be a hell of a night in Perth, so it's a, a sellout. I think um, the, the corporate part of the... The grandstands, the corporate boxes sold out in a matter of hours when they went on sale. So it's there's a whole what's it what's it seat sixty or sixty odd? Yeah, sixty two. Yeah. I think I mean, it's it's terrific to think that there's a sellout for a Bledisloe. It's been a little while, and the Wallaroos are playing beforehand as well. And the Wallaroos Pumped beforehand, and I think um, last year the game in Sydney was a world record crowd for uh, for a women's. Test match, and, and then they went and tried to beat it in Eden Park the yeah. following week. I think, and, and, yeah. didn't, and didn't, didn't they? Like, no, they didn't. <laughs> um, but it'd be nice to think that you know everyone gets there early, gets on board with the Wallaroos because it, it just feels like they've started to get some traction as well this year. Well, they'll be better the Wallaroos. Like Swaney, we called their last two tests against Japan. I think the game in New Zealand last year they got bashed at the breakdown. The Wallaroos yep, yeah. they counteracted from start to finish, but. I think they've gone and addressed what they needed to, to do and they've got some big bodies in there now. They've got some genuine ball runners and um, they've got class in the midfield, you know, like uh, Fakasalea, the likes of... Yeah. Like, they've got some quality players. Yeah, but rangy. again, we don't know until we come up against the best and that that's the, yeah. the Black Ferns, of course. So, But they've improved massively, the Wallaroos, and I, I think they'll be disappointed if they don't give uh, New Zealand a, a real test. Yeah, the, the gap is certainly closing, that's for sure, on them. Mm, all right. Well, uh, Halsey, thanks very much for joining us. Looking forward to Saturday night in Perth. The uh, the Wallabies and the All Blacks preceded by the Wallaroos and, and the Black Ferns. It's going to be quite a night. So as Halsey moves out, let's get set for a chat with um, can I Justin just, Marshall. Can you just yes? validate Hello. my parking, Nick? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> I parked you in. You're the red Volvo, aren't you? Yes, <laughs> yeah, thank okay. you very much. I, park, yeah. I better go and move that. All right. Yeah, good on you. Thanks, mate. Excellent. Listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Justin Marshall, welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Good to have you on board. Are you packing your bags and heading our way, mate? Yeah, thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure to uh, chat to my Aussie friends. Um, yes, I'm actually heading uh, towards Perth on Thursday for the big match. So looking forward to not only the the blitters, though, but also um, seeing firsthand this amazing stadium that they've got down there in Perth. It's uh, been given pretty good rats. Yeah, you'll love it, I think. Marshy, you, you're just saying that it's always good to talk to your Aussie friends. Is that because you generally always win around this time of the year? And um, secondly, would you have that same confidence about this, this current All Black side? Um, look, I, I wouldn't let my New Zealand arrogance um, come into your, into your <laughs> podcast, so I'll... Uh, <laughs> I'll just quietly sort of ease my way into that question. But, yeah, look, no doubt about it. Uh, the All Blacks, if you haven't heard, um, when Steve Hansen uh, named his squad for the rugby championship, um, one of the first things that came out of his mouth was he said, we're very, very intent on retaining the bledders, though. It's incredibly important to us. In fact, it's probably the most important um, period of uh, games that we've got coming up. So... Uh, it's very much in, in their uh, target line. Uh, the All Blacks, you know, without, like I said, I was going to ease into it, rubbing it in too much. It's been pretty <laughs> successful in recent years. So uh, I guess that not only shows that, yes, they've been dominant, but also that, that they really care about the Bledisloe Cup and the history they've managed to create. So uh, it's important to us. And, um, 
you know, we always enjoy the encounters against Australia, no doubt about that. Well, you always have throughout the ages. That's, it's actually really good to hear, Marsha, because sometimes, particularly over the last couple of years, we've sort of got the impression that that, that uh, rivalry with New Zealand might have, uh, with South Africa that you have, might have almost taken over the rivalry uh, against the Wallabies. But they both obviously mean a lot to you. Yeah, they do. Yeah, no doubt that from our perspective, the Bledisloe is incredibly important. Um, look, look, certainly from my perspective as well, uh, you know, in sort of my time that I came through All Black Rugby uh, and, and rugby in general, uh, the, the Springboks around that time had only really been reintroduced back into rugby. So for me, my, my greatest foe and the team that I had I uh, had most of my major battles with was Australia. And look, again, without sticking the knife in, but I will! Um, <laughs> that, that, that was a period when, obviously, Australian rugby was incredibly strong. The Brumbies... We're winning Super Rugby titles. Uh, Australia was winning Rugby World Cups. Uh, the, the games that we had against Australia through that period were, you know, on the day it was just about who took the most of their opportunities because you couldn't really separate the sides. But I think, um, you know, I often say that I've probably got one of the, the worst winning records as an All Black against Australia um, out of anybody. But when people go, oh, you must be disappointed by that. Um, and Australians in general like to take the piss out of me for it whenever I <laughs> get into the country. But uh, I say, you know what? No, because the games that we used to play and the, the quality of rugby through that period, I wouldn't want to take back. Yes, I would have liked to have taken a few of those nail biters that we lost in the last minute or 30 seconds or 10 minutes after the final whistle um, back. But, you know, it was still a great period to play rugby against Australia. Absolutely, Marshy. Um, now, we're pretty close to Rugby World Cup 2019. Everyone is uh, tinkering with their lineups and that sort of thing. With the All Blacks, I mean, my first question to you is Moonga and Barrett. H- how did that go last week or a couple of weeks ago? And will we see that again, do you think? Yeah, I certainly think that they will persevere. Um, it wasn't a complete success. There were parts of the game where the game plan was looking um, like the way they want to introduce both players into the game to create that uh, double receiver threat, uh, you know, and good decision makers getting their hands on the ball and not the same decision maker all the time, uh, all the time. So i.e. not the 10 doing all of the work. So, you know, Barrett, he was playing 15 in that game. So you could see um, how they want to evolve their game plan, but Again, they were under pressure with aggressive defence. There had been a lot of changes from the team that was selected against Argentina. Uh, and, you know, they, they got put under pressure. So at times you could see it. But I, I wouldn't say it was unsuccessful, but I wouldn't say it was a raging success. But I do believe where they're heading and the way they want to play the game, um, that we will see that combination again. Yeah, do you see any vulnerability there with the All Blacks, um, given given that, and also the loss of the Brody Retallick? Yep, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I certainly feel that, you know, the, and the All Blacks are aware of this, and that's why they're working hard on it. That the aggressive, um, out to in defence. So you know, the the outside, the centre in particular, and the and the wingers coming up right in the eye line, um, of receivers and, and making them feel like there's no space on the outside. The All Blacks are, a little, are struggling with it a little bit. Um, they're hell-bent on trying to use the wingers and get them into the game, uh, but it's a strength of New Zealand rugby, but they're struggling to get it there at the moment. So, yeah, they have to work through that um, 
and, and get to the point where they are confident to be able to use the ball on attack and, and break that defence open. And at the moment, they still haven't quite figured it out. So that is a vulnerability. Retallick's a big loss. He's, he's world-class. Mm. Uh, you can't replace world-class players. But two years ago, I would have been in a major panic. Now I think we've created a bit more depth in that position. So the likes of Scott Barrett, um, etc. Tui Pilotu can slot in and we, we're not as bad off as what we would have been a couple of years ago with losing him. What about uh, the back row and talk of Kieran Reid going to six and Artie Sevilla mm. coming into the side? I mean, is it just a matter of trying to find a way to get uh, to get Artie Sevilla into that starting side? And that shouldn't be the case, should it? Uh, you know, if a player is playing that well, um, you know, then players get selected around him. Uh, so... I think his performances in Super Rugby, uh, the, the he was probably the standout forward, if not player, on the field for the All Blacks against Argentina. Uh, the metres he's making through the middle yeah. are incredibly important to breaking down that outside and the, the aggressive defence because it brings it gravitates players uh, in towards rucks and, and narrows them up. So you need a strong ball carrier. They simply have to have him on the field, and that puts pressure, obviously on the other two players in the left forwards that then complement him. The big problem is um, the, the man with the big C um, hovering over him is obviously Kieran Reid, and he's the captain of the All Blacks, and he's only ever really played number eight. So it becomes a bit of a dynamic that they have to try and work out because they lose a little bit of line-out um, you know, superiority when they, when they don't have uh, a genuine jumper at six. Um, you know, and Sam Kane and uh, Artie Savia aren't really that. So they've, they've got to work their way through it. But for me, Artie Savia simply has to be on the field. Marshy, interested to get your take on the Wallabies. So, I mean, for so many years, the All Blacks have come up against a Genier and Foley, or Foley particularly in that in that 10 jersey. Uh, but mm. Christian Liliofano has been playing so well, particularly in Super Rugby, and he has found a bit of consistency um, over the last couple of weeks. What, what are your thoughts on coming up against... Christian Liliofano at 10 for the Wallabies? I think pretty much in one word you summed it up, consistency. I think what you get with uh, Christian Liliofano is that he's such uh, a well-matured uh, player. He's been in the game. Um, obviously, we know he's gone through a lot off the field as well, and sometimes that puts not only life but you know sport into perspective. And I think um, you know the way that he's fought back and also got back into rugby. Uh, he's really matured as a player. He makes good, sensible decisions. I think at times what what happens with the Wallabies is when the All Blacks put them under um, pressure on, on defence, is their default is to sort of just kick the ball away and, and kick and hope. Whereas I think Leila Fano is a little bit smarter than that. He will see that you know under pressure you can still maintain the ball and when you kick, don't kick for hope. Um, you know, kick to either get the ball back or put the opposition under pressure. And um, having a player like that, I think, in that position um, certainly does give the Wallabies a little little bit more ability to, I guess, make good decisions because in the past when the All Blacks have put them under pressure, they've tended to not make good decisions, which has cost them dearly. Lots to look forward to, Marshy. Um, before, before we let you go, what are your thoughts? Who do you think will win um, and, and why? Well, I'm interested to see uh, the, the side that the All Blacks name. Um, but look, the, certainly the, the, from an All Blacks perspective, they'll be looking to crank uh, crank it up in terms of ball and hand. Um, they've made lots of errors in the first two games, so I expect them to be a lot more ruthless and, and hold the ball and be very 
um, difficult to get to, to get it back off them. Um, Australia is the unknown for me. I'm, I'm not entirely sure the way that they're going to play and what game plan they're going to take forward into the Rugby World Cup, but uh, I certainly will be interested on how they defend. They would have analysed the All Blacks and what they've been struggling with. Um, Australia don't defend that way, aggressively out to in, but I wonder whether or not they adopt that because they can see a weakness in the All Blacks. So that's what fascinate, fascinates me, but I just think uh, it's going to be a great occasion and to sign off... Um, I just think uh, the All Blacks are, are a side that's ready to pounce. They've been a bit laborious in their first couple of games, but they're ready to go. So I think they'll get home in Perth, but it'll be a good game. Oh, Marshy, I'm looking forward to some boomfers over there in Perth. <laughs> 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 I'm sure you are, Sweeney. Uh, hopefully we'll see a couple of those, mate. I hope you're talking about on the field too. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Is that, is that, did you invent that or did you borrow that? <laughs> no, yeah, it was not... It was something that was in my youth, so uh, yeah, it's not actually even a word. But uh, <laughs> kids, down, kids, kids down south in Matara used to say at club rugby when someone got hit really hard, "Oh, look at that bumper!" And um, I guess it's just stayed in my mind. <laughs> hey, now are you packing your golf clubs, Marshy? I just got a text from Christian Cullen this morning. He said he's going to be in Perth from Wednesday, and he was keen to play some golf. So that's inspired me. So I think I will. Very nice. All right, uh, mate. Thanks for joining us today, and, and looking forward to catching up in Perth. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. We'll see you in Perth. Yeah, Justin Marshall joining us on the podcast and uh, looking forward to him uh, spending some time with us in the pregame on Saturday night. What a good guy. Terrific looking forward to him, yep. they, to him joining us. They all are. They're, they're great fellas and it's been a real privilege over the years to have them dip in and out of the Fox coverage. It just sucks that their rugby team's so good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so uh, there is so much to be excited about. Not not only this week and then the return bout at uh, at Ellis Park, uh, sorry, at Eden Park the, the week after where we have not made winning a habit. So that would be a nice box to tick as we head towards the World Cup. But this one at Optus Stadium in Perth, Christy, your uh, your thoughts, predictions, and maybe a, a selection bolter for the Wallabies. Will there be one? I, I would have a sneaky suspicion that if you want to see Jordan Patay, you oh, you want to so, yeah. so, sorry, Swaney, that this <laughs> okay. is it's a, it's about time. And I don't think you're starting with him, but maybe in that 23 jersey um, could come come into the mix. There, I'm thinking all blacks though. I think that. that They've been rusty for a long time, I think, now, and they've got to start to show something. The Wallabies still got, you know, attacking defensive structures that not quite bedded in. And it's a sold-out Optus Stadium. Uh, there'll be a lot of Kiwis there, I would suspect, but yep. also yeah. Wallabies supporters. Um, you know, when you play at those odd stadiums, I mean, it didn't happen in Tokyo last year, that's a bit different, but um, but when, when Bledisloe's are played in a place that isn't traditionally played there, you, you often get something a bit different, so uh, I'm looking forward to Perth on Saturday, I reckon the Wallabies are a shot. Alright, so who, 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 uh, Wallabies are a shot, who's, who's your selection bowl to them? Oh, Is mate, you put me on the spot, mine was going to be Jordan <laughs> yeah, yeah. Patea. Okay, can we all just say we were all going to say Jordan Patea, right? So, so, but I'd, I'd like to see him maybe not necessarily start, I mean, who, who knows, he might, but, but certainly get, uh, get some Time off the bench would be nice. Definitely, the kid. I was just watching back some of his highlights yesterday, actually, yeah. um, from earlier in the year, and gee, he can play. And he, he he put on a particularly in Dunedin for the Reds against the Highlanders team early in the season. That performance for me yeah. says that he can play Test rugby. A lot of pressure though for uh, for a kid 
who's not had much rugby. Obviously, the syndesmosis injury that he had was was long term. I don't know that it phases him, to be honest. Like we've seen him the last couple of years in NRC. He was seventeen when he played mm. NRC a couple of years ago and played like a like a twenty five year old. Yep. I don't think it phases him. All right. So uh, on that note, yeah. Are oh, you pointing at me? Um, I, well, I'm not going to change. I say year after year <laughs> that the the Wallabies can win, and uh, you know mm. sometimes get a little. Bit disappointed, sure. Whoa! But um, it is different the fact that they've. <laughs> whoa! Uh, it is different the fact that they've had a couple of test matches in 2011 and, and 2015. The history shows their best opportunity right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. just just play themselves into some form, um, and it wasn't the complete performance against Argentina, but there were some some good signs. So, you know, maybe I might have some egg on my face, but hey, got to stick with them. So go the Wallabies. Go the Wallabies. <laughs> yeah, go the Wallabies. <laughs> 